1: Yes, the Omicron variant, obviously. But have you also thought about something comfy for them to wear while they spend days in bed feeling terrible because you insisted on licking everyone at the supermarket because free speech or something? Well, may I suggest popping over to British-Boxers.com for a rather excellent selection of luxury casual wear from pyjamas to pants to face masks, though I guess probably be a bit late for you to grab one of those, but maybe, I don't know, get one for the new year when you go to that massive Eric Clapton Arena concert. British boxers are all about slow fashion, ethical standards, paying workers properly, developing local skills and absolutely have no weird associations with Bill Gates or whoever it is that you blame for stuff this week. Plus, all their clothes are really, really comfy too. So why not cough up for some of their gear this festivirus season? Plus, if you stick the code PARPOLBRO15 in the checkout bit, you'll get 15% cough. Sorry, off. Merry Omicron, everyone. (laughs) Hello and welcome to the Partly Political Broadcast, the comedy politics podcast that feels like the war on drugs is pointless when so many of the casualties are having a really great time. I'm Tina Dooyeb and this week, as Prime Minister and candy floss stuck to a camel's ass, Boris Johnson says that as part of a new strategy, middle-class drugs users may lose their passports, I say, oh, there goes yet another export thanks to Brexit. Hmm, I guess we'll just have to find other uses for our excess of them here now, like maybe create more jobs in journalism or politics. Credit where credit is due, right? The British government said at the beginning of this year that they wanted to back UK science, and it turns out they have excelled in experimenting with quantum mechanics in brand new and innovative ways that none of us could have foreseen. It seems that last year, on December the 18th, Number 10 Downing Street had a party that both did and didn't happen at the same time. A Schrodinger's event, if you like, and possibly the first of its kind. How is something like this possible, Tin? Well, it's hard to say, but perhaps they levelled up after years of experimenting with dead cats that may or may not have happened at exactly the same location. Perhaps the Prime Minister's home is the Hadron Collider of high-energy bullshit acceleration. I am, of course, not a scientist, so forgive me for not fully getting this, but I'll try my best to break down exactly what happened. While London was in tier 3 restrictions last December, meaning that everyone else in the big smoke was allowed to do no more mixing than a cheap wedding DJ, Number 10 had several dozen people attend a shindig. So now it's been revealed, it should be any second now that the police who were already there at the time turn up to slap a hefty fine on them for doing all the illegals, because hey, no one is above the law. Well, unless the police are on the doorstep facing outwards and you're on the higher floors of 10 Downing Street coked off your face. But did they actually have a party and break the law? Or did they transcend states of being and somehow hold an event between the multiverses, thus escaping all laws that may apply to us here mortals on this here version of Earth? Because according to Justice Secretary and Proof People Can Survive Extreme Treppening, Dominic Raab, he said in an interview that there was no party and it was just a rumour. Much like, you know, there being a channel between the UK and France or how you shouldn't eat packets of silica gel. Right, Dom? But then, in the same conversation, Rob said that the party did happen, but everyone there followed all the guidance. You know, the guidance that said no households were to mix indoors, and only six people could mix in some outdoor locations. So how did they do that if several dozen of them were indoors? Unless they were both outdoors and indoors at the same time, and attendees were there, while also not there at all. Then Dominic Rod changed the game again by saying if there was a party, it would have broken the law, but he's not sure as he wasn't there at that party that may or may not have happened, which might have meant that he was there at the very same time. Or that he just found out yet again that they've had a party without him, and this is what happens every year when they tell him, actually, we've decided not to do an office party this year, Dominic, and then he accidentally gets included in the WhatsApp group, where everyone's saying how they had an amazing night, and God, wouldn't it have ruined it if dumb Dom was screaming that his hand was stuck in a Pringles packet again? Then the Justice Secretary said the party did happen and it did break the law, but the police don't look back at things that took place a year ago. Which is confusing because the party happened on December the 18th, 2020, but was reported on December the 3rd, 2021. But perhaps that is a year or even many years ago if you're meddling with continuums like that. It's very hard to say when all the complex science is happening. The Met Police clarified this by saying they don't investigate retrospective crimes, which is interesting because that is how most crimes work. Perhaps now they can only stop crimes that they're present for, which, considering the grim stories from the past year involving the Met Police, that would be quite a lot, and were they to be there and arrest themselves, it'd likely cut the crime rate by tonnes. But hang on, police are always present at number 10 and would have to sign every person in that enters the building so maybe perhaps those people hadn't yet committed a crime and so it couldn't be investigated then either as it was a future crime and not a present one. Maybe the officers just assumed that many were entering in order to then self-isolate in their own household in different rooms or even climb immediately out of the windows and leave once they got inside. Or perhaps, in this party that wasn't there, the police let them in, went in to arrest or find them, but then found no one was there at the same time. But then, Minister for Crime and Policing and stupid loaf of bread Kit Malthouse said there was a party. What? But it didn't break any rules and police should investigate past breaches of law. So, another hypothesis, if I may. Perhaps, as you can imagine... There was a party at number 10, but it was so devoid of fun that it could no longer be categorised as a party and therefore was legal. Chances are it was a number of people promising each other COVID contracts while the Prime Minister's dad kept trying to touch everyone and like someone used a plunger on a bowl of frog spawn, Michael Gove just kept doing wham raps. Perhaps the police officers witnessed this and thought it were a punishment far greater than any fine and now they themselves are in therapy to get over it. It is a thing of wonder and mystery and just very lucky that none of them were there for a vigil for a woman killed by the police or the Met would have got on the case and shut them down immediately because they know how to keep people safe. Labour leader, and what drying paint uses as an analogy for when something's really dull, Keir Starmer, said we needed to be clear on what the rules for parties are. Well, I'm certain his own guidelines are to turn up much earlier than the start time, make polite chat that contains absolutely no opinions, laugh at weird moments, have a tap water and chuckle as you say you're trying to give up, and then leave before any other guests arrive so you've made absolutely zero impact on their lives, and then go and have a lovely evening at home filing sandwich bags. In further experiments with reality, the government have launched a new drug strategy which will target middle-class users of Class A's, which will punish them by taking away their passports. So, you might wonder, how will any of the cabinet do diplomatic trips abroad if that happens, or will they all have to be over Zoom from now on? A Sunday Times report found that traces of cocaine were found in 11 toilets in areas of parliament, but it is only middle-class use the government are targeting, and many of them are upper-class, so I don't think it counts. Boris Johnson said the problem is caused by 300,000 people whose lives are simply chaotic, torn apart by addiction. And again, I'm just guessing that doesn't apply to him or Michael Gove, both of whom have admitted to drug use before, because their lives are made by the chaos, so if anything, they'd probably be unable to function without it. It's not misuse if they're doing it on purpose to make themselves even more intolerable and arrogant than they are already. Sorry, I mean, they've only ever taken drugs retrospectively, so there's absolutely no point in investigating it. And no, of course, no one took any drugs at their number 10 party as it didn't actually happen. This new plan is to provide rehab for drugs users but also to punish them because nothing gets people off a reliance on drugs quite like making their lives much, much worse. What if those using drugs simply tell the police though that they may or may not have been using drugs but they did it in the proper way and didn't breach the rules? What if these middle class drugs users end up in court but can prove actually they have less money than they thought because they've spent it all on class A's meaning they're now working class and should indeed be let off? More importantly, if Dominic Raab isn't there, will it actually be a crime at all? The plan is to dismantle 2,000 gangs, which sounds very violent, and you do wonder what the government are going to do with all the leftover limbs. Knowing Johnson's crew, they'll probably sell all the arms to Saudi Arabia. Johnson announced these rules while on a visit to Merseyside Police HQ, where he too dressed as an officer, which is illegal, isn't it? Or maybe not, I guess, if he did it retrospectively. I do hope someone asked him if he was a real policeman and flagged down a bus driver for help when he said no. None of this will matter soon anyway as the Prime Minister is planning to let ministers throw out legal rulings that they don't agree with, so it may well be that a court finds them guilty of breaking the law but they'll decide that they're not. This is one of the many signs of fascism and authoritarianism this government currently display but what's never in those internet checklists is what happens if those in charge are all so stupid as fuck. If the courts decide in a judicial review that the government has breached the law and Dominic Raab as Justice Secretary rejects it, all the courts have to say is, rejects what? There was nothing here in the first place or there was something here but actually you lie liked it and it didn't breach the rules. The government advice for you this Christmas though is to not cancel any events you may be attending because as the Prime Minister says the government aren't changing their guidance about how people should be living their lives you know, unless you take Class A drugs. The UK Public Health Chief and Maz Kanata in Star Wars, Jenny Harries said that people shouldn't socialise when we don't particularly need to. Now it's very hard to know if she meant that because of the rising cases and the new Omicron Covid variant or if she's just very, very anti-social. But the Prime Minister is all for unnecessary socialising and not cancelling Christmas events and if that means more Christmas parties at number 10 then actually do you know what i am all for it as it just increases the chances of them killing each other off Other members of the cabinet are slightly more sceptical, though, with health secretary and man who I'm certain from under his neck down is a pencil, Sajid Javid, suggesting you should wear masks while at parties. And work and pension secretary and captain caveman Therese Kofi said you shouldn't kiss people you don't know. But again, is this advice for everyone or just about their own experiences and needs of parties where, you know, everyone wears a mask to avoid being seen anywhere with Javid and Kofi looks like she only goes to family occasions where absolutely anything goes? Is this why the number 10 party wasn't a party? Was everyone in disguise and trying their best to dodge Teresa Kofi's cigar breath? Some definite restrictions that have come in though for the Christmas are that you do now need a COVID PCR test before travelling to the UK, you know, just to make sure you're bringing something for everyone when you arrive. Travel restrictions are also now in place for 11 countries, most of which appear to be in Africa, and that has prompted complaints of a travel apartheid. Actually, though, I think you'll find that Britain is doing its bit for reparations by making sure no one from that continent can come here and catch something that we definitely can't be bothered to send them vaccines for. A parliamentary standards probe has been launched into Jacob Rees-Mogg, which must be weird for him as he usually gets his nanny to do that. One of Count Olaf's many pseudonyms, Reese Mogg is being investigated over his borrowing of loans, which may be in breach of the Code of Conduct. So is Scottish Tory leader and Capuchin rejected by its family for being a prick, Douglas Ross, for his undeclared earnings as a wanker. Sorry, referee. This comes after the Standards Committee is drawing up a new code of conduct for MPs, which presumably will include things like it being necessary to-do lines in the toilets and have illegal parties. Otherwise, you know, there'll have to be a lot of resignations. What the committee is suggesting, though, is that MPs should demonstrate anti-discriminatory attitudes, which has really upset MPs with discriminatory attitudes. Undead low-budget Elvis impersonator Desmond Swain said that voters have a right to elect a misogynist or racist if that's who they want to represent them. And I guess that's why his constituents of New Forest West elected him so they could get all of that in a two-for-one deal. The question is, though, does anyone actually care what their MPs are like, whether they're misogynist, racist or full of sleaze? I mean, I mean, despite all the recent allegations, the Conservatives still won the by-election in Old Bexie and Sidcup with their candidate Louis French, who looks like a sitcom character who gets his ass stuck in a pothole in the very first episode. There was a very, very small turnout of just 33.5%, meaning that the Conservatives dropped their vote share. So definite victory for Labour there, as there's no opposition quite like making sure no one wants to bother to even turn up, as all the politics is shit. Maybe the plan is just to keep going until no one turns up at all, and they hope to win a majority simply by chance when pigeons fly into derelict polling booths and they happen to shit on the right tick boxes. To increase future election chances, Labour have had a big old reshuffle, meaning that loads and loads of old faces are back on the front bench. Star of Just William, Yvette Cooper, is now Shadow Home Secretary, with all her appropriate skills to provide opposition, such as hating migrants, thinking the Iraq war was great, and being involved in the expenses scandal in 2009. Then Shadow Foreign Secretary is now Chief of Goron Island, David Lammy. And what if someone stuck Alan Carr under a sanding machine where streeting is Shadow Health Secretary? Yes, why have new ideas when you can keep using old ones that absolutely no one likes. Still, I'm very excited about how well they're going to do in the 2015 election. No wonder Unite the Union have cut all political donations to Labour as they represent the workers, and judging by the drop again in the polls, absolutely nothing the party are doing is working. Next week is the North Shropshire by-election, formerly the constituency of Captain Sleaze himself, Owen Paterson, but the Prime Minister has urged voters to look past all that. Which is a bad idea, because if anything the corruption covers up their lack of policies and all those baggies of gag. It's likely to stay a Conservative seat because it seems people just don't give a shit that their MPs are breaking rules, taking drugs and giving all their pals money. Or, is it actually, am I just being wrong here, is it actually that voters do care and they see it as what these MPs doing are breaking rules so you don't have to? You know how, for example, if you like something that your kids are into, they'll suddenly think it's uncool? Well, as the least cool people on the planet, by holding illegal parties during Tier 3, taking drugs and trying to ignore the law, maybe it's to ensure the rest of us go, ugh, I wouldn't want to be like those absolute worst members of humanity, I shall be a law-abiding citizen and aspire to do a proper trustworthy job like gambler or back-alley surgeon, anything but MP. Or maybe, maybe it's just that nearly all of the breaches of conduct that have happened have now happened retrospectively, so they just don't really count. And anyway, who's to say any of it even happened at all? In other news, the levelling up report is now delayed until 2022, so that does mean that one thing in the report will have levelled up, and that is the year. That's probably going to be it. Michael Gove is the levelling up secretary in charge of it, because if you start that low, I guess you can only go higher. Maybe, probably not. There's still very little clue about what it will contain, but there have been reports that Gove wants US-style governors and mayors in order for communities to take back control, you know, by having increased levels of bureaucracy and a government that has even less accountability. I bet it's only governors because Michael Gove thinks they'll be named after him in that case and his other ideas of Governators, serious Govers and Michael's special pleb tamers were completely rejected. Shell Oil have pulled out of the controversial Cambo oil field saying it was a commercial decision not to go ahead. Yes, probably was as them being part of a new fossil fuel project while the earth is dying is like a big advert saying what evil pricks they are. The counter-conference on cancel culture that was set to take place in London next week and features such lowlights as old pizza cheese thrown over roadkill Nigel Farage has been cancelled after barely any tickets were sold. Typical woke general public deciding the event sounds like it'll be a shit-old fest and not wanting to waste their money when they can do something more productive like punch their own face with a rusty pineapple. Well, I hope the organisers fight back and do the event anyway to a big empty cold venue and go bankrupt, you know, for free speech. What if Stimpy took value and Marc Francois has self-published his Brexit memoir because he says all publishers are biased? Yes, that is true. Very few will accept drafts in crayon with stains on all the pages. The book's called Spartan Victory, the inside story of the Battle of Brexit, which is a really good title as the Spartans were powerful in Europe, but after the division of the Roman Empire declined into obscurity. Although, unlike Marc Francois, they also respected women, but I have a feeling his book doesn't include that bit. And lastly, scientists say the Covid Omicron variant could become dominant within weeks. Great, finally the leadership we need, and indeed deserve. Hey, 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 par broads, how goes you? Um, I goes very slowly at the moment as I got a stupid injury last week in Glasgow and I appear to have bruised my coccyx which, let me tell you, Google isn't very helpful on the diagnosis of, if you spell that wrong uh, when you search for it. I did two very lovely support gigs for Frankie Boyle on Wednesday and Thursday at the Glasgow Stand, which is one of the bestest comedy venues in the UK, and thanks tonnes if you came along, um, especially to the women who wore the Christmas jumper on Thursday that said, fuck the Tories on it, in beautifully festive fonts. That made me feel really Christmassy for the first time this year. Thank you for that, um, but on leaving the gig on the Thursday, right, uh, myself and Mr. Boyle exited via the back door and found ourselves trapped between the passageway and the lock gate. Uh, there's a little sort of back entrance that you, you sneak out of if you're an act, um, and we was, we realised we were stuck there because the gate was stuck, but the doors closed behind us. And so, in turn, in the cold and the rain, we decided to climb over the gate like kind of pro ninja people and not the middle-aged dads we definitely are. Um, only for the gate to then open. Uh, as it turned out, it wasn't locked; it was just frozen shut. And uh, my body weight <laughs> unfrozen. Um, But that's not where I hurt myself, right? That's the bit where I'm proper, like, skilled, and I was well surprised at my own limber abilities. And then about an hour later, I was walking around holding a pizza, and I managed to slip on absolutely nothing and land smack lower back first onto some concrete steps. It wasn't even drunk or anything, um, so I just sort of feel like it was the world realising that I'd got over that gate without harm, and that was wrong, and it needed to rebalance things. Still, though, the pizza remained unharmed, and as uh, my friend and friend of this podcast, Tatton, said to me, um, that is most important as, hey, people heal and pizzas don't. So, I'm sitting in a very uncomfortable manner recording this and I'll go back to complaining about moving a lot to my family straight afterwards that they keep making me cups of tea. Um, Currently really enjoying saying things like, well, I plan to go for a run twice this week, but, oh, well, I guess I'll just have to sit here and keep eating crisps. According to the internet, I have to wait for about two weeks uh, to see if it still hurts before I tell a doctor about it, at which point a doctor may then say, oh, it's bruised, you just need to rest more, or, oh, it's fractured, you need to rest more, but even more than that. So... I don't know what sort of time frame that is in COVID backlog NHS times. Do I go see a doctor if it's still bad by July 2023? I guess that's about right, isn't it? Otherwise, I guess i have probably just going to leave it and keep complaining and eating crisps. Anyway, um, at least it was a very excellent rest of the week and those are my very last gigs before Christmas. So now all I've got planned in the diary is my booster jab and eating snacks, which is what Jesus would have wanted if he'd known that was available at the time. Pretty sure, pretty sure the Bible would be very different if... Uh, you know, if in, in that time, AD, BC, B.C. becomes, does it become AD as soon as he's born or after he's done? After, I don't, know, I don't remember. Anyway, if basically they'd said, you know, Jesus, have this boost and some crisps, he'd have sacked off all the, um, all the preaching. I'm sure, he would have done. That. What am I talking about? Anyway, look, I hope your coccyx are not smashed. I'm on quite a lot of painkillers. I'm not not a lot. I'm just two, I befriend, but also had three coffees. Anyway, I hope your coccyx are not smashed and your pizzas are saved. Um, and uh, thanks again for being here. This this is a mini pod. It's a mini pod this week. Um, kind of just the bit you've heard, really. I, I mean, the fact that you've carried on listening to this bit, is, but you didn't need this bit. This is a waste of time. Um, but it's because I was away last week, so there was no time for interviews. And um, hopefully, there's going to be an interview on next week's show, which is going to be the last one before a break Um, but there also might not be an interview because well, some people are flakier than a Kellogg's branded cereal Um, but also, you know, it's hey, it doesn't matter does it it doesn't matter if this one's short and next week's short it's that time of the year when you've all got to go to parties, you've got parties that you need to be attending but obviously while in masks and no kissing or whatever the rules are, so maybe Brief Episodes is what you need um, you just all wait till you're bored in January and I'll make it up to you by making sure each and every one of these is at least four hours long then. Um, but before this episode endeth, um, yes, yes, I got the Labour reshuffle news wrong last week because, well, it went on forever and that is their fault. I thought Emily Thornberry was going to be Shadow Home Secretary as I recorded and then no, turned out actually they wanted Yvette Cooper because, hey, there is nothing more inspirational to voters than someone who couldn't inspire people in 2016. Um, also, yes, last week I said Omicron instead of Omicron. Um, I added an extra N uh, because, hey, I mean, Omni is old Greek for all, isn't it? And Kron uh, is sort of short for Kronos, the God of Time. So my version, Omnicron... It's kind of like a variant for all time, which may prove to be more accurate if the government keeps saying that it's very cool to party this December. Um, the other thing, of course, um, is that you've obviously probably noticed that I didn't mention in the intro the national inquiry that's been announced after the uh, just awful killing of Arthur Labinjo-Hughes. And that is because, um, I mean, Jesus, that was its depressing, isn't it? It was so awful. I, just, I didn't want to talk about it. Um, what I will say, though, is that if you haven't heard the chat with Caroline Willow at Article 39, which is a couple of episodes ago, um, do. because that is all about why the children's care system is a mess Um, and do also give a follow on Twitter to the Islington Survivors Network on at the Islington SN uh, for info on all that stuff too Um, because there's been a lot of nonsense around they just oddly keep forgetting to mention things like austerity or the fact that the children's protection register uh, was scrapped in 2008 funny that anyway um, oh the other thing uh, is if you get a chance do read free by Leah Ippie Um, that's YPI I I think I'm pronouncing it right probably not because it's this podcast and I pronounce everything wrong. Um, maybe I should add an N in there. Um, so, uh, by Leah Ibi, it's called Free. Um, I finished it last week. Oh my God, it's an amazing read. Um, it's a memoir of Leah's childhood growing up in Albania while it was under uh, communist rules, sort of more, well, authoritarian communist rule. It's a kind of satellite state of the Soviet Union. Um, and then it's uh, as that regime fell and the country gained supposed free elections, but then kind of collapsed economically under just awful pyramid schemes, and then it went into civil war i mean basically do you know what? I, I knew very little about the history of albania um but through this book i have learned absolutely loads and uh, leah Ippi writes so beautifully observantly and often i mean just it's really funny even in some really dark moments she's got a beautiful sense of humor um and uh just about what it was like through her eyes and also about her continued socialist beliefs throughout um it's, it's a really fascinating read and i would highly highly recommend it if you can grab a copy right uh, that is that
0: ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm, hello fresh
1: Ah. Uh-huh. That's it for this week's Partly Political Broadcast Podcast. Didn't really need the jingle there, did I? Cheers to your ears for taking in this week's cheers. And if you like this show even a weenie bit, then do let everybody in the place know, and maybe even donate to the patreon.com forward slash parpoulbro or chuck us a dandy five-star review on the podcast platform of your using. Big hearty soupy thanks to Acast, my brother Last Skeptic, and Cat Day. And this will be back next week when Boris Johnson announces the next step of the new drugs tackling strategy is for all confiscated class A's to be sent to ten Downing Street immediately, where they are definitely not having a party definitely won't breach any rules. Bye! This week's show is sponsored by Marc Francois' memoir, Spartan Victory, the inside story of the Battle of Brexit. There I was, standing with a pan on my head and holding my Nerf gun, and there was no way I was going to let Europe beat me. I've been in the army, you know, I shouted. You bloody Europe's won't take my freedom. Excuse me, sir, they said. This is the Leon C branch of Pizza Hut. Please get off the salad bar. And then I wet myself.